helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. We hear it all the time. Claimed that such and such is a threat to American democracy. And I've shown time and time again that the United States is not a democracy, but a republic. Now, while I've frequently pointed out that most of the calls to save American democracy seem more about saving the Democratic Party, a recent story seems to put a, a new wrinkle on this topic. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., candidate for Democratic nomination for the office of president, is claiming that new rules for the DNC presidential primaries are designed to rig the election for Joe Biden. Now, I haven't seen proof that Mr. Kennedy's claims are true. It certainly would be in keeping with the recent history of the undemocratic Democratic Party. However, that isn't all. Look at recent attempts to silent mis- and disinformation. That is just another attempt to interfere with the democratic process these people claim to love so much. If you want to see the antithesis of democracy, the best place to start seems to be those who are promoting it. Perhaps that is why our founding fathers created a republic rather than a democracy, and why Benjamin Franklin warned us that it was up to us to keep it. Hello there, everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study. This is where we read and study the Constitution to teach the rising generation to be free. I am glad you could join me today. Um, just so you know, the boot camp is up and running. That's right. If you go to constitutionstudy.com slash boot camp, you can register. It is absolutely free. And uh, right now, it's just the boot camp, so you can watch the video. There's a short test at the end, and that will, of course, lead into more about the Patriots program. If you want to find out more about the Patriots program, go to constitutionstudy.com slash patriots. But let's get into these claims by um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., uh, this is him, by the way, on the Tim Dillon podcast. One of the things they've done is they've made it so that um, any vote that I get in Iowa or New Hampshire uh, will count for Biden, and that and they're trying to do the same thing now in Georgia. They're trying. They, How they're, are they doing that? Well, they're passing a rule that if you any candidate who steps into the state of New Hampshire, Iowa, to campaign, um will lose all their delegates. Now, I am loath to get into party politics. You know my opinion. A pox on both their houses. But as I understand it, and I said I haven't found proof of, of Kennedy's specifics, the DNC is trying to change the order of the first primaries uh, away from uh, New Iowa, New Iowa's caucuses and New Hampshire's primary. And they want to put other states first and I've heard plenty of conspiracy theories about it, and maybe they're true that one of the reasons why they've made the change is Biden did not do good in, in Iowa and New Hampshire last time around, so they want to put states where he did well first. Um, the question then becomes, as I understand it, they're talking about this rule change, and um, the, the, I know New Hampshire, I believe, has been pushing back, and this may be as a punishment, intended as a punishment to New Hampshire. In other words, if if people, uh, if New Hampshire isn't going to go along with the new dates, then um, they want to you know, they want to punish New Hampshire by removing the delegates, and I guess they want to punish any candidate that supports this. This is speculation. 
based on what I've read so far. But let's listen a little more from Mr. Kennedy. And um, and so I've campaigned in both states, so I right. lose their delegates. But now what they're trying to do is, is and they we're going to know on September 14th whether they actually do it, is they're trying to pass another rule that if you step foot in New Hampshire or Iowa, that any vote you get in New in Georgia, which is a big, big delegate state, um, will also uh, count for the president and not for, um, you know, so they're basically disenfranchising everybody in those states. So yeah. there's no campaign. Now, uh, this, by the way, is nothing new. Does anybody else remember who the leader in the primaries for the Democratic nomination in the last two presidential elections was? It was the same person. It was Bernie Sanders. In 2013, the party uh, manipulated the system so that uh, the, all the superdelegates so that Hillary Clinton would win, even though the people of the so-called Democratic Party apparently wanted Bernie Sanders. And then in 2020, all the candidates, remember, when Bernie Sanders was in the lead, all the ones behind, they they basically got out through all their delegates to uh, Mr. Biden, which is how he won the nomination. Here we go. Three for three. It sounds like, again, they're trying to manipulate the process in order to have the candidate, the elite in the committee want. But this should not be a surprise to anyone. First, let's start with a basic fact. Um, there is primaries are not part of the election process in the Constitution. In fact, the only place you even see the word primary in the Constitution is Amendment 24, which was passed in, which was ratified in January of 1964, which states the rights of the citizens to vote in any primary or other election for president or vice president, for electors for president or vice president or for senator or representative in Congress shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state by reason of failure to pay any poll tax or other tax. It's the only time the word exists. It's the only place it exists in the entire Constitution. Because primaries are, they are publicly funded private elections. I should say they're publicly funded elections for private organizations designed to limit the choice of the American people. Let me say that again so you get it right. Primaries are publicly funded private elections for private entities designed to restrict your choice in an actual election. Now, we're going to focus on the presidential election, but this is every election from President of the United States down to dog catcher. Because every, president, every election that has a primary, what is a primary? Well, it's a way for these these uh, um, political parties to choose a champion, right? That's, that's what we're talking about. Which, which of this morass of, of candidates is the party going to choose as their champion? Now, the interesting thing is, this, again, this has nothing to do with the Constitution. These are all state laws. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. These are state laws. So every state has laws about the, the primary process. And by the way, the, 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 these political parties are not public institutions. They are private entities. They are 501c4s. These are private nonprofit corporations that are involved, engaged in political activity. So my question is, ladies and gentlemen, why are you paying for their candidate to, to choose their candidate? 
If you're not a part of the party, why are you paying for their election? But you are, because every state funds primaries. Here's the other thing. Remember, what's the purpose of a primary? To take the entire field for a specific off, a candidate for office and whittle it down to an individual candidate. Or in the case of president, they pick two because they want to play games with the, uh, uh, with the, the, the 12th Amendment. But it's designed so that when you go to the voting booth to actually vote for an office, you're shown what they want you to see. It's a magic trick. In, a, in the magician's world, it's called a force. They force you to see what the magician wants you to see. That's what the political parties do with primaries. So you go into the ballot box, and what do you see? Well, this is the preferred candidate for the donkeys. This is the preferred elephant, uh, candidate for the elephants. And whatever other parties have been able to go through the hurdles and manipulations designed to keep the donkeys and the elephants in power. Right? That's why it's so hard for third-party candidates to get on the ballot, because the system is generally designed to, make, to, pr to uh, protect the donkeys and the elephants. And those are the names you normally choose from. Now, legally, you can write in a name. Right? But here's the problem. Most states, the laws for write-in ballots, one, first of all, it requires you to actually stop and think about it for a minute. Right? You could, you, you have, first of all, you have to remember, oh, yeah, I can write in a name. I don't have to pick from the, the candidates these idiots have given me. I can write in a name. But the laws are often set up so that you have to write the name specifically, perfectly, and perfectly legible. So let's say, let's say it's, it's uh, uh, you know, the 2024 election, and you decide that uh, you don't like the, you know, one from column A or one from column B. Let's say you want to vote for RFK Jr. Well, if you write in RFK Jr., probably not going to be counted because that's not a full name. If you write Robert Kennedy Jr., that might not count because that's not a full name. If you write Robert F. Kennedy Jr., maybe, but they, some states may want you to write in, uh, I think his middle name is Fitzgerald. So they may want Robert Fitzgerald Kennedy Jr. Oh, if you forget the junior, it makes it very difficult for write-in campaigns because the, the rules, it, for good reason, are very specific about who do you mean when you write down that name. But again, the whole system is designed to limit your choices to take away from you the ability to choose who your leaders are or to so limit it that uh, you only get to pick what the tyrants want you to pick, whether that be the donkey tyrants or the elephant tyrants. The whole system's designed that way. So I'm not at all surprised to see, and again, I'm not saying the Republicans don't do this. The tradition among the Republicans has always been who's next in line. Right? We had, uh, what was it? We had Dole because he was next in line. Um, we had uh, we had W, George W. Bush, because he was next in line. We had John McCain because he was next in line. We had Mitt Romney because he was basically next in line. Donald Trump was the first real breakaway to uh, that pattern. Again, are they the best candidates or are they simply the ones that, um, that the powers that be, that the, those who are always rigging our elections? Are, are one of them. It's one of the reasons why um, I think the primary system is inherently unconstitutional. Well, I, it's not inherently unconstitutional because states have the right to control their own elections. I think it's inherently fraudulent. I think it's anti-republic. 
because it denies people the chance to choose who they wish to choose. Now, sure, people will be saying, well, you know, if we just left it open, left it open there'd be hundreds and thousands of candidates, and sure, there's, I'm sure there's a way we could... Uh, uh, we could limit, we, we set standards for getting on the ballot, right? Anybody can run within, you know, you get, you know, so number of signatures, you can run so many signatures and you're on the ballot. You get your name on the ballot and we simply order them by how many uh, votes they got. We can include a party affiliation if we want, but why are we putting these private organizations in such control over such an important part of the republic, the process of electing our representatives. Because we've been brainwashed into believing that's the way it works. We have. You know, I, I tell people that, that uh, primaries are evil, and they look at me cross-eyed. What do you mean? We need to have primaries. We have to have primaries. Why? What is the purpose of a primary? I, I point out to them that uh, political parties are private organizations, and they're Really? So yeah, go look it up. They're 501c4s. The idea of not allowing political parties to dictate to us who we should be voting for should be on the lips of every freedom-loving American, but it's not. So we have political parties rigging the system. It just seems to me that the Democrats are better at it because they have more help. See, there, there seems to be more evidence coming out that uh, aides to the Biden administration have been reaching out to the, the corporate media organizations, large corporate media organizations, telling them how to spin this news. You know, the, when, when Kennedy made the, the, uh, was interviewed and was talking about this, suddenly um, all the corporate media outlets came up with the same story that Kennedy has recently made unsupported claims of Democratic vote-rigging in the primary, a central message of his campaign. But it's interesting because the rigging of, of primary elections in the pres presidential level, at least, was well, been going around for at least eight years. Why is, this, why is that not the issue? And is that message being promulgated by the Biden White House? Well, because again, we've got evidence. Ian Sands or Sams, um, he sent out a letter to media organizations telling them that it was their job that they needed to malign the GOP's House impeachment inquiry. Oh, so you have the president, the president's office, his administration telling media organizations to malign something that would be um antithetical, to be difficult, bad for his campaign. Does that sound like a democratic process? Better yet, does that sound like a First Amendment violation? Because he is now uh, abridging, attempting to abridge the freedom of the press by telling organizations that participate in the press, right, that, that are, are in the art of business of publishing, to influence their outcome, inf influence the press. Funny, I don't see that. Why is if that is true, should that be tacked onto the list of uh, uh, things to be investigated, inquired, possibly for articles of impeachment? You see, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to know why our founding fathers did not institute a democracy, simply look at the Democratic Party. 
See, the problem with democracies is we all think that, well, 50% plus one of the people decide. No, 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 ladies and gentlemen. All it takes is 51, 50% plus one to be influenced, not necessarily to decide. And if you're if information is hidden from you, if opportunities are taken away from you, if you're fed a diet that is one-sided, that's a democracy. But you don't get to the outcome that most people would think of in a in a democratic uh, would think would be a democratic solution. Now I have to take a break, but before I go, I want you to consider this. Are you concerned about things like long COVID or or the shedding of of spike proteins? Well, if you're worried about that and, and you want a solution, if you want to get back to that, that pre-COVID feeling, well, the wellness company has a solution. They have what they call their spike support. It's whether you're vaccinated or not, it's designed to deal with the, the inflammatory and toxic spike protein. They, they can be used to help protect your body against the effects of, again, the vaccine, COVID, or just the shedding of the virus. Now, this is backed by documented research and vetted by the chief medical board of the wellness company. Now, since you're an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off Spike Protein or any of the wellness company's products. You can even get 25% off your first month of membership if you use the code OUTLOUD. You can find out more at americaoutloud.shop, but check out the wellness company. Check out their products. If you want to try them, use the code OUTLOUD. It lets them know that you listen to America Out Loud, and you'll get 25% off of their products and 25% off of their first month of membership. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced. These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has, creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers.
Welcome back, Everyday Americans. If you join the Constitution study, this is where we read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising generation to be free. And sometimes that involves pointing out the errors, the fallacies of uh, uh, certain positions. For example, we talk about democracy. America is a republic, not democracy. But let's hold on to that for just a second. Let's say we're a democracy, which basically means you get to choose, right? You get to choose how you live your life. You get to choose who your leaders are. You get to choose policies. But listen to the policies the so-called Democratic Vice President of the United States proposes. Supposed so-called extreme leaders are suggesting it's a bad thing to care about and pay attention to inequities, to say DEI is a bad thing. Okay, let's start there for a second. So in her mind, the only way to care about inequities is to follow her methodology. To deter, you know, to follow her DEI. If you don't believe in DEI, you don't care about inequities. If you don't believe in her solution to these inequities, you don't care about inequities. But there's more to this sleight of hand. When in fact, if we want fair outcomes, we must understand what are disparities and then accommodate and adjust for those disparities if we want equal outcomes. Did you catch a shell game? First, she asked, do you want fair outcomes? Then she changed that to equal outcomes. Now, let me ask you, um, if you, uh, you walk up to a restaurant and you order uh, a dinner and you order, you, you, you pay $20 for that dinner and somebody else walks up to the same restaurant, orders the same dinner, but only pays $5. Is that a fair outcome? It's an equitable outcome. They came out with the same outcome, the same dinner, but they put two different inputs. To her, that sounds like fair. But there's another part of this you got to listen to. So environmental justice raises those points, right? Equitable outcomes. Are, is everyone coming out the same way? Well, if they don't, look, if you don't start on the same base, everybody can have an equal amount. You're still not going to end up on the same base, right? If we want equal outcomes, we need to take into account not everybody starts out on the same base, and we have to make adjustments. Now, did you hear the, the undemocratic basis for that? See, her assumption is we all want the same outcome. The assumption is we want exactly the same thing she wants. That if you work 20 hours a week or 60 hours a week, you should have the same outcome, the same size paycheck. That, that, but even the idea that we want the same outcome. I'm a perfect example of this. Right? I worked for 30 years in corporate America. Now, during that time, I dealt with my money differently than many of my co cohorts. Right? I didn't buy new cars all the time. I didn't have a vacation home. I didn't take expensive vacations because I had a different outcome I was looking for. So now I sit here being able to do this, to do the Constitution study without a regular source of income. But that's an outcome that I chose. Nobody chose it for me. I decided. And if I decide at some point, you know what? I need to go re-enter some corporate workforce. 
I get to decide. In her mind, who gets to decide? Should I get some of my my uh, compatriots' money because, well, I've decided not to work uh, earlier than they did? Should they get some of my money because they spent it on things I didn't think was important? This whole DEI that she's holding up, lauding as awesome, is not simply socialism. It is it is a, a form of tyranny that um, I don't know we have a good, a good t- term for. Because it's the idea of no matter what it is you want, no matter what it is you put in, you get the outcome that the masters, the elites think is the right answer. You you know, whether you think you're worth $15 an hour, $5 an hour, or $500 an hour, doesn't matter. You have to get all the same because you have to have an equal outcome. And they're going to decide what that outcome is. Isn't that the antithesis of democracy? Then why are those who claim to be Democrats promoting the idea of, of, of the antithesis of democracy, of people choosing? And really, let's face it, if this idea was really so great, why is it that it needs to be forced on the American people? You ever thought about that? If it's so good, why does it have to be forced on the American people? Because politics is not about democracy. It's about the exercise of power. Here's a, class, here's a perfect example. Imagine you're Elon Musk. You are, uh, you're, you've made billions of dollars in your life, and you've decided that you're going to pursue a couple of um of interesting ideas. You decide you're going to you're going to start Tesla and make electric cars. You've decided SpaceX, you want to put material up in space. And oh yeah, by the way, you've got Starlink because you want to provide internet access to more people that then get you know, high speed access you can get anywhere else. And and this is these are your decisions of what you want to do with the money you made from your risk, your investment, your blood, sweat and tears. But you see, there's a problem. See, the outcome doesn't align with the so-called Democratic Party. You see, first, Mr. Musk, once he buys Twitter, um, take, finds the information that uh, the, uh, g- the Democratic administration has been colluding with, intimidating, and otherwise manipulating Twitter and other social media platforms for their own benefit. And, well, he exposes this. He figures maybe the people ought to know who it is they hired or they had their states hire for President of the United States. Maybe the people ought to know in this so-called democracy what their elected officials are doing with the, uh, the power they entrusted them. Now, it should surprise absolutely no one that not only did this raise the ire of those bureaucrats, including the President of the United States, but they use their powers to, um, well, let's say, try and get back at Mr. Musk. At least that's what it appears to be. Because it wasn't very long after Mr. Musk bought Twitter that uh, Joe Biden himself said that Musk's relationship with foreign governments, they should be investigated. Apparently it wasn't a problem until he actually purchased Twitter. Biden said, I think that Elon Musk's cooperation and or technical relationships with other countries is worth, uh, is worthy of being looked at, whether or not he is doing something inappropriate. I'm not suggesting that. I'm suggesting that it's worth being looked at. That's all I'll say. You know, we have this interesting little thing 
called the Fourth Amendment. And the Fourth Amendment says you cannot, they cannot search without a warrant. And that warrant must be based on probable cause. Not the not the, the president saying, I think it's worthy. It's supposed to be based on probable cause. See, this is a deprivation of liberty without due process of law. So it shouldn't be too surprising that uh, it didn't take long for the Federal Trade Commission to start investigating 2022 under, um, under an administrative order related to privacy and uh, depositions. Hmm. This this were revealed what they what it was referred to as a, a chaotic environment at the company and raised serious questions about whether and how Musk and other leaders were ensuring X's uh, what is now X Corp's uh, compliance uh, according to the Department of Justice. Excuse me, you're investigating them now because now suddenly you're finding stuff that uh, um, you know we don't like what Elon Musk may be doing. Now this kind of came to a head recently, uh, involving the uh, the war in Ukraine. Now you may have noticed uh, Senator Warren, Elizabeth Warren, and others are calling for investigations against Elon Musk because um, he refused to turn on Starlink in a certain part of Ukraine. Uh, let, let me let him explain it to you. At the time this happened, the uh, region around Crimea. Was actually turned off. Now the reason it was turned off was <laughs> actually originally was because the United States has sanctions against Russia, um, and we're not allowed to actually, and that includes Crimea in the sanctions, <laughs> and we're not allowed to actually turn on uh, connectivity to a sanctioned country without explicit government approval, um, which we did not have from the U.S. government. So let's start there. Um, the people asking. Mr. Musk to turn on Starlink, we're asking him to turn on Starlink in an area that he was legally barred from because he did not have permission from the United States government to violate the sanctions against Russia, which included the area of Crimea that they wanted Starlink turned on for. So let him continue. So, so basically, the uh, uh, you know, Ukraine didn't, they didn't give us any, any advance warning or heads up or anything. Um, but we just got the, the sort of uh, urgent calls from the Ukrainian government saying that we needed to turn on Crimea. It's like in the middle of the night, basically. <laughs> and we're like, what are you talking about? You know, are we you must. <laughs> What's it for? <laughs> um, you know, and, and that, you know, we, we basically um, figured out that this was kind of a, like a Pearl Harbor type attack on um, Sebastopol, on the Russian fleet Sebastopol. So they're really asking us for to, to really proactively take part in a major act of war, um, and um, you know while we have, so, so certainly have huge support for the Ukrainian government, um, the Ukrainian government is not in charge of U.S. Uh, people or companies. Uh, that's not how it works. And Mr. Musk is correct there. The the uh, Ukrainian government does not have uh, the ability to order. American citizens or American companies around. But there is one thing I do disagree with Mr. Musk on, and, and he talks about that next. I should say that, you know, although I'm not uh, President Biden's biggest fan, if, if I had received a presidential directive to turn it on, I would have done so, because I do regard the president as the chief executive officer of the country. Whether I want that person to be the, 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 the president or not, I still respect the office. And so, if, if you know, if, if we've gotten, if I've gotten a 
request from the president type of thing, from the American president, to be clear, yeah. um, <laughs> then, <laughs> then I, I would have turned it on, you know, so but no such request came through. Now, Mr. Musk, as, as owner of Starlink, he can decide for himself whether, you know, under what conditions he will turn on or off different regions. But the place he got wrong is the president is not the chief executive of the United States. He's the chief executive of the government of the United States. The president has no authority to order Mr. Musk to turn Starlink on in certain regions or anything like that. Now, he did say request, and uh, that might have been interesting if, you know, if, if Biden had ordered uh, Mr. Musk to turn it on, would he have reacted differently if it was a request and he wished to comply with the request? He can do that fine. But um, here we have all this controversy. We have this investigation into Elon Musk for A, following federal law, following the laws of the United States. I said, that's a sanctioned region. You don't, you know, you're not allowed to do business there without approval um, for actually recognizing that Starlink is his product, not uh, the federal government's not the Ukrainian governments, although he does seem to act as if it's it's a part of the federal governments. But for that, for standing up and saying, wait a second, this is, this is mine. I'm not going to break federal law. He's being investigated. And again, um, Elizabeth Warren, that, I mean, she's just out there. She, you know, she, this is the smells of a, of a personal attack, which really doesn't surprise me based on her history. But it, tell me, if it's members of the Democratic Party that are after Mr. Musk for following federal law and for following the, the, uh, uh, the desires of the President of the United States, not the, uh, not the President of Ukraine or the General Ukraine, that's considered a, a democratic country where people are treating private property, which Starlink is, as if it's controlled by the federal government and you 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 own it but you do what we say or else that doesn't sound like a democracy to me does it but it's exactly what many in the democratic party are are doing so we see again the destruction you know even though we're not a democracy this is why you don't want to be a democracy because now what you have is you have a small group of people that are trying to convince enough other people to let them ignore the law, violate the law, pretend the law doesn't exist for their own private agendas. And it, within this thought process, right, this, this idea, we see that the Biden administration, remember, um, there was a, a preliminary injunction issued preventing many members of the Biden administration, many departments from uh, communicating with social media, uh, about protected speech. And of course, that got pulled back a little bit by one court. Well, the Biden administration went all the way to the Supreme Court to say, please stop this, remove the injunction. We want to be able to manipulate, to influence what social media, private social media companies do. We want to be able to influence them. And if you think the courts are going to save you, don't. Justice Samuel Alito on the 14th of September put a, a, a hold, a temporary hold on the lower court opinion, restricting federal agencies from contacting social media firms with requests to remove content while the justices consider how to handle the case. In other words, your right to, to freely work with another entity is now on hold while the court decides whether or not you're going to 
be able to exercise that right without the federal government interfering by determining or encouraging what content should be removed and what uh, users should be removed. That sounds like a pretty undemocratic process to me, does it not? Now, I have to take another break before I go, though. I want to remind you, you know, I go to AmericaOutloud.news each and every day looking for news and information, and I think you should as well. See, what I do is I take that information, that part of the news feed, I use it to put together this program for my social media posts, for the news feeds on the website, and you can do that as well. You see, if you find this content, content like, oh, I don't know, Mr. Must Interview, don't keep it to yourself. Share it so that other people can hear, other people can find out and know, and that together we can help secure the blessings of liberty. Changing the world one person at a time. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution. The miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase, the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You rejoin the Constitution study today. We're talking about Democrats against democracy. That's right. Undemocratic Democrats. I just want to make sure anybody's jumping in late here. The, the United States is not a democracy. We are a republic. But I'm pointing out how it's the Democrats or those who call for democracy that are acting in the most undemocratic manner that we could think of. For example, um, the Department of Homeland, uh, Homeland Security, there's a mouthful, has recently awarded 34 grants worth $20 million to uh, help people undergo training in order to flag potential online extremist speech. Now, you might say, well, gee, Paul, I mean, we want them to protect us. Shouldn't they be the ones out there looking for these, these hate groups and extremists and whatnots? But wait a second, this is the Department of Homeland Security, which is the part, a part of the Department of Justice, I believe. And what have they been doing lately? That's right. They've been flagging everybody from traditional Roman Catholics to uh, uh, pro-life activists as hateful 
racist extremists. And here they we have them taking $20 million of your money, by the way, to train others to uh, search, unreasonably search, because there's no probable cause. They're just going to go searching through whatever they can find. Now, okay, there's a question of if you put something on the public, you can't really claim privacy. But remember, the Fourth Amendment protects you from unreasonable searches. So if you have a program called the Targeted Violence and Terrorism Prevention Grant Program, well, aren't they targeting people to, to prevent violent ex extremists and, and terrorism? In other words, aren't they searching broadly without any probable cause? It's this twisted idea that suddenly you know, unreasonable searches have become simply a question of privacy. Now again, it's one thing if they come across it in the in the execution of legitimate duties. That's not what we're talking about. We are talking about the continued spying on the American people. And you have the Department of Homeland Security going to teach others how to do it. Now, yes, they call about it crime prevention partnerships and, and, and all these wonderful things. But what we're still talking about is the federal government teaching others to search based on a set of criteria that, uh, well, if anything seems to have been uh, come to light lately, not based on a probable cause, but on a political cause. And oh, by the way, um, training people to identify terrorists and, and extremists, not a power delegated to the United States by the Constitution, which means any law doing that is void, which means the, this is embezzlement. This is embezzling money from the American people. And we've seen how these types of, of searches have worked out before with heavily armed and sometimes armored uh, federal agents busting in your door because somebody, because of some claimed research that you are a violent extremist. Does that sound like a democracy to you? Well, maybe it does sound a bit like the German Democratic Republic. And it does sound like the, the Democratic Republic of Korea, you know, North Korea. So maybe these Democrats are more in, affiliated with other Democrat, quote-unquote, Democratic organizations than we first thought. Maybe the idea of a democracy is not where everybody gets a vote. It's where tyrants and, and elitists uh, turn the place into a, turn the country into a virtual gulag. Is that what you want? Again, I hate political parts. I hate the Republicans as much as I hate the Democrats, but they're the ones screaming for the, to protecting the American democracy by destroying anything related to democracy or, or the democratic process or even, let's face it, accountability. See, the Biden uh, is, is at it again. He, he proposed a new rule um, to basically undo a Trump-era executive order. That order made it, it would make it easier to fire federal workers. Now, according to the director of the Office of Personnel Management, uh, Karen Abuja, uh, she said, the proposed rule honors our 2.2 million career civil servants, helping to ensure they carry out their duties without fear of political reprisal. Well, let's be straightforward with it. It's without fear of being held accountable for their illegal actions. You see, if you're a federal bureaucrat and your policies break the law, well, 
guess what? They try to fire you, and you simply say, well, you can't, because there's a rule. The rule says you can't fire me until I've done, uh, I don't know, who knows what. Now, the, the, the interesting thing is, it, I don't know about you, but um, I've never worked any place where I was protected from firing for malfeasance, for violating my oath of office, uh, for committing uh, fraud, embezzlement, um, other high crimes and misdemeanors. But yet, if you're a federal employee, guess what? It's near impossible to be fired unless, um, well, you, you're, you're what they refer to as a Schedule F. In which case, yeah, you know, if you're a poor performer or if you are otherwise uh, uh, acting in unprofessional manner, you can be fired. But the vast majority, again, the fact that we have 2.2 million federal employees is in itself disgusting. This, you know, this is a, a giant behemoth. That, would, that makes the federal government, I believe, the largest employer in the country, if not in the world. Think about that. That doesn't sound very democratic to me, does it? But the interesting thing is they're talking about protecting federal employees from political influence when what we've seen is these political employees actually exercise political influence and then not be punished for it. I mean, let's face it. How many uh, uh, members of the, of the executive branch leaked information during the Trump era? Or, uh, you know, provided false information. Hey, how many of them lied for Joe Biden when saying that, uh, was it 51 uh, intelligence uh, experts said um, that uh, the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation? Yeah, they never paid any price for it. They never paid any penalty for it. The uh, the, the eight Bureau of ATF, the, the agents that uh, go charging into a man's house on a simple warrant for a, for a question of of uh protecting his son from an, an intimidating uh uh opposition uh, activist they never held any response for them they have they took an oath to support the constitution they broke the law where's the accountability for them see the thing about democracy is if we can find people that have done something wrong, you would think they would get punished. What we see is not a the Democrats, and let's face it, the vast majority of the political article, the, the, the political animals are not interested in democracy. They're not interested in justice. They're interested in power and exercising power. And the actual language of the law really means very little. You'll love this one. Uh, so uh, there's a, a constitutional law professor from Berkeley, a John Yu. Now, he's testifying in the disbarment trial of uh, John Eastman, uh, one of Trump's former lawyers. Now, the California bar is attempting to disbar Mr. Eastman, allegedly for telling Donald Trump at the time that one of the ways of dealing with disputed uh, elections in states was to have then-Vice President Michael Pence refuse to accept the electoral slates from those states or delay their certification. Now, this is, is what the California bar is trying to, to disbar him for. But what's interesting is um, Mr. Wu said that the majority of the scholarship on the issue agrees with the position that 
Mike Pence could have simply refused to accept the electoral slates. Now, I'll tell you this. If you want to know what the Constitution says, uh, avoid a lawyer. And apparently, avoid places like Yale Law School and Harvard Law School because they're graduating idiots. I, I, you know, I'm sorry. The Constitution is extremely clear. You go to the 12th Amendment and the, the President of the Senate, the Vice President of the President of the Senate, has one job and one job only. Well, actually, technically two jobs. All right, let's be fair. He's got two jobs. So his first job is to receive the certificates, right? Uh, uh, the states, uh, this is from the, the 12th Amendment, um, the, the, the electorals, the electoral, electoral groups when they gather, uh, says they shall make distinct lists of all persons voted for as president and of all persons voted for as vice president and the number of votes for each which list they shall sign and certify and transmit sealed to the seat of the government of the United States directed to the president of the Senate, that person being the vice president. Then it goes on. The president of the Senate shall, in the presence of the Senate and House of Representatives, open all certificates and votes shall then be counted. That's it. The vice president has two jobs. He gets the, the certificates, he opens them and makes sure they're counted. Nowhere does it say that the vice president has any discretion about which ballots to open and which ballots not to. Because the vice president, you're, you're basically saying the federal government is going to have some say in the election of its president. No, it's the states that have say in the election of president. I bring this up for one very simple reason. If, if the majority of the scholarship is this flawed, is this just plain backwano stupid, how do you expect to have a democracy? Yeah, I am not a, I'm not a law school student. I didn't go to law school. I didn't know. I can read. And I read two things. The, the certificates from the states go to the vice president as the president of the Senate. And he, in the presence of the Senate and the House, opens a certificate and has the votes counted. That's it. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because it is this undemocratic democratic process that has led to a bunch of completely, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't like calling people names, but this is, this is just plain stupid. Uh, you know, you have to be really highly educated to be this stupid. But I want you to think about that. Now we have the state of California trying to disbar somebody from following what appears to be the uh, 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 constitutional scholarship. Notice what it says. He said the majority of the scholarship on the issue agrees with Eastman. You know what he didn't say? The Constitution agrees with Eastman. Now, should, should Mr. Eastman be disbarred for giving that advice to his client? That's a whole other question. I'm not, I don't want to even, I'm not even ready to, to get into that yet. But you're telling me that a person who, again, graduated Yale Law School, summa cum laude, he graduated Harvard College. He's considered one of the preeminent experts on constitutional law in the entire country. And he's too stupid to read the stinking Constitution? You don't stand a chance in this quote-unquote democracy. This is what democracy is. You get a group of elites to say, oh, well, we want the vice president to have say in the election of president. Think about that. Mr. Pence, who, by the way, was on the ballot, 
right, as vice president, which means he had, even if he had that power, it would have been a conflict of interest for him to actually exercise any influence over that. This is what stands for scholarship in this country. That's why we have people claiming to be Democrats that are not at all interested in the democratic process. They are out destroying the democratic process. It's why, ladies and gentlemen, we are not a democracy. We are a republic. We are here to, to elect people and then hold them accountable. We have a, a, a law, the supreme law of the land, the paramount law of the land, the Constitution. But if we don't have people that will follow it, if the, those people we elect won't follow it, if the, the people that are advising us on the law can't be bothered to read it, much less follow it, ladies and gentlemen, where does that leave the republic? I'll tell you where it leaves the republic. On the ash heap of history. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. This is the destruction of the republic. If you're telling me that... Uh, we don't have that. That we that the, the supreme law of the land cannot be followed anymore because you don't have anybody who actually knows what it says anymore. Then the republic is over. It's just a question of waiting to see who's going to get lined up in front of the firing squad. Because we've got we've got federal law enforcement that isn't interested in the law. They're interested in promoting the the political agenda of their masters. And, and we're not interested in in actually following the law. If it's inconvenient, if it's politically incorrect, well, we just have to attack them anyway. And we're going to let political class um, direct our quote-unquote media as to where they should investigate and how they should investigate and how they should treat certain uh, news stories. This is exactly what we get with a democracy. See, this is why John Adams said, democracy, while it lasts, is more bloody than either aristocracy or monarchy. Remember, democracy never lasts long. It soon wastes, exhausts, and murders itself. There has never been a democracy that did not commit suicide. Well, here we are, ladies and gentlemen. We have gone from the republic, we've allowed the Democrats to turn us into a democracy, and that democracy is committing suicide, and we are caught in the crosshair. Question is, you going to do anything about it? You going to learn about it? You going to stand up against the the tyranny that's being masqueraded as democracy? You going to stand up when some when other some other idiot says talks about saving American democracy? Or is you going to follow along like sheep, while they lead us right into the jaws of the wolves that'll devour us? Now, ladies and gentlemen, the choice ultimately is up to you. I can't decide, and Musk can't decide, even Biden can't decide. Ultimately, it's we the people who decide. The question is, what decision are we going to make? Now, as for you, I hope whatever decision you make, I hope you'll also decide, well, to come back and join us here for the Constitution Study every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network. If you can't listen, then that's fine. All the shows typically go to podcasts a day or two after they're heard on the radio. You can listen to your favorite podcast app, but do me a favor. Subscribe to the show. Leave a rating or review, especially on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the Constitution Study as well. 
And you can find all the links you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. But still, please share. Share this information. By sharing the news, by sharing the details, by sharing the facts, we not only have the chance to open the eyes of our friends and neighbors, but we are taking the opportunity to share the blessings of liberty.